0: Please do not spend too much of time in social media. I am not saying that social media is not important. Your Instagram, your WhatsApp, your Facebook, everything is important. Please earmark a certain amount of time for that.
1: Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Jai Show. Today, we have Srinivasan Balasubramanyam, sir. He is Dean of Thadomal Shahani Center for Management. Sir has been in education industry and has more than 40 years of experience in uh, BFSI and ITES. And he is Dean of Academics at TSCFM. It's an honor to have you on the show, sir.
0: Thank you so much, Ajay
1: so sir uh, being in education industry uh, what is the current status of if, if we can generalize it for our uh, whole nation the current status of education industry in india and how can uh, this new education policy can uh, can play a critical role in strengthening the uh, education system
0: okay uh, i think uh, thank you very much for having me on your show jay it's all uh, so first let us understand earlier we had an education policy, and that education policy has been replaced by the new education policy that is NEP yes. 2020. Yeah. Now, earlier, if you see the thrust of our education policy was access and equity, which means mm-hmm. when the original education policy was conceived, not many people were educated and therefore The biggest objective, or or rather I would say the strongest objective was to involve everybody into education. But now the thrust has changed. Now it has become access, affordability and quality. So this is a major change with the new policy as compared to the earlier policy. So you want me to elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, Yeah, sure, sir.
0: So what happens is in the earlier, we had, you know, a root system of uh, studying. And we were interested in seeing that a student gets a degree, he has to be educated. Mm. Because you must understand that India came from a 30% literacy level and we mm. are at 74. Yeah. And this particular new education policy had to come because we were now grappling with the question of employability, mm. and we found at this point in time that our students were not really employed. Mm. So, right. the new education policy has got a great deal of thrust towards this particular angle of employability, improving the employability quotient of a
1: student. Mm. Right, so, sir, like. Uh, because uh, after covid uh, especially there is a lot of penetration of uh, internet in uh, towns uh, tier 3 tier 4 cities and villages of india and this uh, penetration this rate of penetration is increasing exponentially especially after covid and because of this penetration we are seeing a lot of edtech industry edtech companies coming in uh in the education in, in the education market where uh people are teaching through applications through videos uh, through animations and uh it's it's been said that education in this edtech sector is going to boom in upcoming years so how do you see the edtech playing a role in uh, in our education system let's say down to 10 years or 20 years uh, in future
0: oh. okay okay see i perfectly agree with you that post covid edtech has taken a huge traction yes now we must first understand what edtech is hmm. it's nothing but a combination of computer hardware Software and education. That hmm. is education theory and practice. And right. the idea is to facilitate the learning. Hmm. Right. Now, EdTech industry, I think, was a very smart industry. It very quickly adapted to this digitization. And it took upon itself the very important, uh, you know, the burden of educating pan-India. Mm. Because everyone during this COVID pandemic had to sit at home. And there was no other choice. And every parent was concerned how they can make up for this lost time. And this EdTech really came as a sort of a rule for the entire entire education industry. So when you want to have an EdTech, you need to have digital infrastructure, the technology, Mm. You also need, you know, necessary amount of people who are conversant with that. You need Mm. a teacher who understands that. A student who has got to be educated as to how Mm. to use
1: that application. Right, right.
0: So this is what, in short, is what the EdTech is all about during the last two years. Now, according to me, when you asked me a question as to where do I see the tech industry in the next couple of years or say mm. next 10 or 15 years? Uh, so my whole take is, first, uh, there is going to be a major shakeout happening mm-hmm. in the tech industry. Right. Meaning not many, you know, many of the tech are not so very robust. Mm. Uh, and therefore, they are unable to withstand the headwinds. And I think they may simply fall down. And this has already started happening. At the same time, I would also see, parallel consolidation is also happening. You know, yes. where bigger players take on the smaller players, yes. where bigger yes. players are also probably taking over uh, players who have who are who have a brick and mortar system of education. Yes. And therefore, why they are taking over is because today it makes sense for the bigger player because of. Cheaper valuation, so that is one. Mm. Secondly, I think again uh, in the initial phase of business, the edtech sector may slow down, and then it will consolidate, and then it will log on again. So it's going to be a little bit of if you see the graph, it will come slightly down, mm-hmm. and then consolidate, and then it will take up. Okay. So. There will be degrowth in the short term. In the medium term, it will consolidate. In the long term, it will grow. Now, you may wonder why I am telling you this. Yeah, yeah. Why is it going to grow in the long term? Then I can give you two important reasons for this. Mm-hmm. The first, of course, is the new frontier of language. I am sorry, new frontier of knowledge, not language. I uh, am corrected new frontier of knowledge are going to make its appearance. And it's going to be really, really like, for example, no one had heard about machine learning those days. Yeah. No one had heard about robotics those days. No one had heard <laughs> about artificial intelligence. So in next 10, 15 years, you could come across so many weird subjects.
1: Mm. So
0: many weird right. topics.
1: Right. And there,
0: there are going to be very few people who will know this. And the whole mm. world, world will want to be knowing this particular topic. And therefore, EdTech is the only way to bridge this education
1: gap. Mm, right. Right. That is one.
0: Way. Now, secondly, if you see our NEP twenty twenty, it has set itself a very laudable target. You know, of fifty percent mm-hmm. cross enrollment ratio in the higher education by two thousand fifteen. Sorry, two thousand thirty five. Mm. So by two thousand thirty five. If we have to achieve a 50% gross enrollment ratio in the higher education from the current 24 to 26, imagine the number of students who are going to be into the market. And if these number of students come into the market, you definitely need infrastructure. And I'm sure that it will be impossible. To create that kind of infrastructure within the next 15 years, first of all, mm. it may not be feasible. Mm. And it, I think uh, uh, it, it is also not doable, basically. And mm. therefore, what happens? The EdTech comes in and they would bridge the gap. Mm. So, online is the option, and EdTech firm is the answer.
1: Mm. Right, right and also um, like being a student myself i have okay. like uh, there's there's always a, a sense of language gap when we have when we have a geographical change in learning for example I've, i i uh, i studied uh, my whole school in uh, gujarat and now i am in dehradun for my higher education so there's a okay. uh, you, you you can notice that there's uh, like the way of speaking has changed uh, people use different slangs so that it, it becomes a, it becomes slightly difficult for me to understand what a teacher is saying initially after after a certain time we can we can uh, get used to it but initially it gets a, a little bit difficult to understand what the teacher is uh, telling us uh in in, in to understand uh, to make us understand things in much more simpler manner whereas in edtech we have a lot of visualization as well we have a lot of animations and graphics which uh, which I think bridge bridges that gap a lot, because in words, like I'm a physics student in words, I cannot say that, okay, there is a light here is this much, I can only share it through numbers. But if I have a visualization of okay, this is the this is a one light here, this is the distance and all of this, it it makes it it makes it much more easier for me to understand and grasp that con that uh, that concept. concept. And, yeah, And when it comes like for me, what I um, wish is the merge of EdTech and uh, the the offline infrastructure, which we have currently and which we are uh, going to develop in future as well, because we we also have uh, the problem which which, like you said, as number of students will increase, we need more number of teachers to come there and educate children and for that we also need quality teachers we can we and to merge the quality education with a teacher one teacher can teach to a very large scale of students because because of because the help of graphics and animation now where one teacher has the capacity to teach let's say around 100 100 students at a time because of that a teacher can scale to 1000 students and with the help of graphics, okay. that barrier of understanding that uh, the barrier of not being able to understand the language and slangs, the general slangs of that geographical area, that will uh, bridge a lot. That's, that's how I, as a student, I wish that that could be a good future of EdTech merging with the offline infrastructure which we have. Okay.
0: okay. Uh, I think I have a slightly different take on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I feel is going further. You would always have, you know, what is called as a hybrid type of learning, mm-hmm. where a teacher would be, you know, there is a teacher who goes online and who teaches, absolutely mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But I have also found during my last three years uh, mm-hmm. getting into this online business of teaching that to have a connect, there needs to be a physical, uh, you know, interaction between the
1: student mm-hmm. and the teacher. Right. Right.
0: So I'll give you a very simple example. Like, for example, I think Byju's uh, took over Akash. Mm-hmm.
1: Simple
0: example. Yeah. Now Akash is actually Akash uh, classes. They are all physical classes. They are spread throughout throughout India. Yeah. Right. Now why would why Va- you ever do it when they have had a lot of valuations when they were doing purely online. Mm-hmm. So I think somewhere this hybrid methodology would get him. So probably the student would come, would be taking online sessions for fifteen days. Maybe one day he will come to the school or the class mm. or the college. Or probably he could take online for say a week and probably come one day, meet with the teacher, probably interact with him. If he has got any queries, we talk to him. In fact, that is a kind of model that we have been doing for our BFSI sector here in Thadumajdani Center for oh, Management. Wow. Interesting. So, so immediately so, what we do is, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, continues. So, what we do here in Thadumajdani, we have centers in, you know, Imbar, pune uh, Vadodara, Ayandapa, oh, Nasik. Wow. So, we have a hybrid group here where Students from Mumbai come here in Mumbai campus, mm. that is in Mumbai. Then students from Indo will be going to our Indo campus. Mm. Students from Pune will go to our Pune campus. Students from Vadodara will go to Vadodara campus. And here the teacher is teaching, and the connect is also established. Mm. The uh, domain expertise also is a person who who actually. Gives a lecture from this particular Mm place. So that's how it works. And I think this has been a reasonably successful uh, experiment because we have found that after we started this, the, the kind of connect between the teacher and the student has actually fortified, has increased. Right.
1: Interesting. And, sir, being a teacher, Uh, You you might have gone and taught a lot of students and every every student has a different kind of personality altogether. Mm -hmm. So how like what what's an I'm always interested in understanding that how a person is able to deal with multiple multiple personalities at a time and I think being a teacher that is uh, you have the highest exposure of uh, meeting and uh, handling multiple personalities. Uh, together through a long course of time, and I, I just want to know how how's that experience? Uh, because um, I'm I'm always interested in meeting new people and understanding what their mindset is, how they think, how they work, uh, and that is one of the reason I have uh, begin with this podcast uh, two years back. So I, I would love to know your your experience as a teacher when when you go and talk and teach to different different personalities as students and uh, how how do they interact? How do you understand what's what's the common ground? Okay, uh,
0: so I think here we need to distinguish between offline and online, basically. Yeah. So when we are doing it offline, what happens is we have the advantage of the immediate connect with the student, Mm. and we can actually change our methodology of teaching based on our impressions of what is happening in the class, right? Mm. So offline, it may not be a great challenge because the teacher sees all the students, he is able to immediately react, right? And likewise, the student also. For example, I'll tell you uh, this is a Kind of example which I give to all my students. If a student in the class says scratches his head or is not paying attention, I can immediately see him and I can play. Mm. Right. Now this sort of a luxury, I don't have it on online. Mm. Right. Because in the online, I'm just going to see his passport-sized video. <laughs> That's all, nothing beyond that. Right, right. And what is he doing? There, I have no clue. So he could be actually playing with a mobile <laughs> and he may be pretending to be, you know, be interested in this. Right. So what we do? So that becomes a very, very great challenge for us. Mm. Now, how do we, you know, uh, see that this attention is kept in the particular class? So what we do is we devise first of all activities. Mm-hmm. So activities automatically gets a person's interest and secondly we ask you know random questions for example i'll give you a very simple example if in my laptop i can at, at one given point of time see 30 students so i could pick up one student hey you there giving calling calling out his name say uh, hi Ritu, what do you think about this particular question mm. And suddenly move on to somebody else, usually end of the title, end of that particular video title, I can ask her. So, that may be ensure that there is some sort of an engagement <laughs> which a student has. It is difficult. I am not saying that it's going to be easy. Online yeah. teaching is a very difficult thing. Okay. Uh, and here you need to understand the psychology of the students also. See, hmm. what happens is many of the students, they take this from their residence. Yeah. And they have the comfort of their residence. So, there the mother is cooking, the daughter, the sisters are moving about, the brother is making noise, and from outside the noise comes. Right. So, in this particular scenario, to get the attention of the student becomes a real, real challenge. Mm, right. So, what I tell them is I tell them, I know that you are in a very challenging situation. I do agree to that. But you must consciously. Consciously see that you pay attention in the class. Mm. And I would say that please do not show your photograph. I am not interested in seeing your handsome <laughs> faces. I am interested in seeing your face. Yeah. And if you want to excuse yourself, just put it on the chat box and then come and resume after two or three minutes. For so mm. whatever reason, you are going to take, it's perfectly alright. So, what you have to do is you have to give a little bit of liberty to them. At the same time, hold them. Uh, not in such a manner, mm. otherwise, there will be a drop-off issue. We do not want that much. Mm. Because today's students are, you know, they are very clear-cut in their understanding as to what they want and what they do not want. Mm, right. So it's a challenge, no doubt about it. Right, Hundred percent
1: So, sir, uh having uh, having this this vast career in education system and being uh, dean of uh of T- tscfm uh, what what do you think how a student should think on upscaling themselves because right now as as we see that there's a lot of competition in uh, in in employability itself many students are into startups and there's competition in even in startup as well investors are uh looking for only those startups which can which they can trust on that i i'll, I'll get some uh, result on and even in employability companies are looking for top person who has all the skill set available so how can a student perceive the world in a sense where uh, where they can understand i want to upskill and how can uh, they they upskill themselves
0: uh, i think uh... Your question is a very wonderful question and it's also very, very challenging to uh, answer that also. So, first of all, I think uh, your question itself has got three subset questions. What is upscaling? Mm. Why must you upscale? And how you must upscale? These are the three questions that I need to answer to a student. And if he is convinced about all these three, Answers to these three questions, then you can be sure that uh, I am a successful teacher. Mm, right. So, now the question is what is upskilling? Now, I, I would tell, I would first you know, educate the student and tell him that, see, look here, you need to upskill because you are going to add value to your existing skill. You mm-hmm. could be learning new additional skills. And technically, you're going to be learning those skills which are relevant and which is required, which means this is going to improve your employability quotient, which will make you more easily employable, so that you are able to transit from the campus to the public. That is going to be my the importance of upskilling is something that which I'll tell you. Right. Now, i also tell you why you must upscale. I mm. told you what is upscaling, I'll tell why you must upscale. Mm. You must upscale because it provides you with a different career options. Mm. It gives you an edge in this competitive environment. It gives you an edge over your colleague, right. it helps you to progress in your career. Right. And not only that, by upskilling, you are able to adapt yourself to the changes in the industry. And lastly, of course, you can add this into your CV. Hmm. 100%. So I have answered why you must upskill. And then I now have to provide him with a way in how he is going to upskill. So my mantra to all my students has been become forever a learner. Mm. You have to be always a learner. Right. Learn, 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 learn and be de- converse with technology, because that is the great career differentiator. Mm. Right. In today's world, there are a lot of options. I would say that this particular generation is very, very lucky as compared to my generation, <laughs> because of the options you have. Right. And you could learn your skills either on your own and get formal qualification you can learn anything in a budget-friendly, mm. cost-effective, and convenient manner. Right. And there are also massive open online courses, digital mm. skills learning platform. So you have a lot of opportunities for upskilling. Right. You just need that mind, that inclination, and you're there.
1: Right. And also, sir, for um, like from from my own experience of uh, having conversations with my colleagues friends uh, and, and students from other universities is is that also we um, to to understand why we need to upskill there's this there's, uh, there's a very important to understand what value do we exactly add because because as as you said there is a lot of opportunity and this lot of opportunity creates a lot of confusion confusion for us like what should we go and in? i'm interested in this i'm interested in that i'm interested in that as well so what do i select what value should i exactly add so that everything goes in line uh, which which makes me more uh, credible uh, or more employable uh, than my competitive friends and and how how should one student understand uh, that uh, that solve that confusion?
0: So I think uh,
1: probably everyone here would agree that each and every one of us are adding
0: value to. Are adding value in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Let's take a very simple case. If you were to look around and if you were to see your friends. They are your friends because you are adding value to their life, either mm. emotionally or through intelligently. Somewhere right. you are adding value. Right, right. So, this value add principle is existence throughout. In fact, I tell in my class that between two daughters, which a mother has, a daughter who helps the mother in the kitchen mm. gets a better treatment than a daughter who doesn't. That's because mm. the other daughter is adding value. Is helping mm-hmm. a mother. Right. So likewise, when you come to the corporate, if there is a manager he is going to take a person, interview a person, mm-hmm. he is going to first see whether will be able to add value to this particular organization. Right. Now the only way you can know is by his credentials. Right. Has he studied? Does he have a certificate? Is he Is he uh, does he know coding? Easy, good in digital right. skills. Once he comes in, I mean that becomes a passport for entry at least. Right. So I believe that every student has to be sure what value he would like to add, mm. depending upon what that value is going to add to his passion. So passion mm. is very closely related to his value adder. Right, team. right. And that way, he should be able to. We should be able to solve this
1: equation I think yes and 100%.
0: I personally believe that this new generation is absolutely very intelligent they know everything they just need you know sort of a
1: push and they will they will do it yeah hundred percent sir sir uh how was uh, this this whole uh conversation for you if if you have any any uh, any advices for for youngsters?
0: Yes, I think uh, our my my simple advice to all the students when they are in this uh, journey of upskilling and getting getting into news,
1: please do not
0: spend too much of time in social media. I am hmm. not saying that social media is not important. Your Instagram, your WhatsApp your Facebook, everything is important.
1: Right.
0: Please, earmark a certain amount of time for that. Now, I know it's going to be very difficult. So, I will tell you the type of advice which I have been giving to my students and probably if it is going to be good for you, please go ahead. Sure. So, I tell all my students to please download some of the important news-based apps like for example, Economic Times app, Business mm-hmm. Line app, MoneyControl.com app, or any app which is, you know, which can give information, which can give knowledge. Mm. And I tell them to read this from that smartphone. Mm. And I tell them that you need to follow just one single important principle. Mm-hmm. You are definitely going to see your WhatsApp messages. <laughs> you are definitely, you will be going to Facebook. Right. And you will definitely be seeing going to your Instagram account also. Right, so right. all I request you all is the first thing you go to WhatsApp and read a message, go immediately back to economic times, read some news. Nah. The next time you go to Instagram, go come back, read business life. <laughs> the next time you go to Instagram, come back and read a uh, Facebook sorry, come back and read money. Club. So that way mm-hmm. you are you know fully aware of what is happening in your environment and you will become a Mm. You'll become a very, very responsible citizen because the citizen is supposed mm-hmm. to know what is happening around right. So you will know what is happening in the market because you have to seeing money control. You'll know what is happening. in You have the economic and the financial news from economic times. And you have all the political news and economic news from business times. Or you could, have any, you could even download Times of India. You could even download a Gujarati paper. You could even download a Marathi paper. What right. I want the student is to be everything of what is happening
1: around us. Right, right. That's the only that's the only kind of uh, uh you know what you call a direction which I tell them that please follow this and I'm sure that uh, you will be good. I'll personally use this right now. <laughs> really? Oh thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Sir, it's been an uh, honor to have you on the show. I really hope that uh, the young People like me who are watching this and listening this will get a lot of value and a lot of uh, guidance to brighten their future uh, and do something for, for this country. So,
0: okay, thank you so much, uh, Jay. It was wonderful to be on your show. And through you, I would you. wish all the students out there listening to this podcast all the very best india needs you the future of india is very bright the next 15 20 years i think we are we are going to make it we have already crossed the, sure. the fifth largest economy in the, uh, in the world and it's and by 2035 we will cross you know more than 50 sure years. i'm sure that there is going to be a lot of opportunity for all of you make use of it thank you
1: so much bye bye right. thank you so much sir